This is Talking Digital Industries, the podcast for technologies and trends that drive industrial enterprises. And I can tell you, I am so happy to be back for season two. And I think I'm not the only one. I hope our listeners and the people at Siemens are uh, just as happy as I am because I, I really enjoyed the first season. And uh, I know we have so many interesting topics we want to get into. And um, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into it. My name is Chris Brow, by the way. I'll be your host. And our familiar world is currently upside down. Everything we used to know um, hmm, has changed. And in this situation, the health of everybody is at the highest priority. And the pharmaceutical industry is facing tremendous challenges while searching for new medications and, and vaccines against pandemic crisis, widespread diseases, or also cancer. To be faster from laboratory to patient is now more important than ever to win the race against time. And I am super happy to have two real experts with me today to get more insights into how digitalizing pharmaceutical plants helps shorten market launch times and improve quality even more. Now, on the one side, ladies first, we have head of business pharmaceutical at Siemens Digital Industries, Rebecca Fangenechten. And we have with us the senior manager operations at Pfizer in Germany, Gunther Beschmann. Welcome, Rebecca and Gunther. Good to have you here. And tell us, how are you guys feeling today? Good, good. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, you mentioned the current situation with COVID-19. Yeah, mm -hmm. of course, uh, in this fight against COVID-19, the vaccine is a critical part of addressing the global health crisis by decreasing rates of infection, disease, and death worldwide. And uh, as you know, Pfizer and BioNTech are leveraging our decades of scientific expertise, mm -hmm. working together to develop, test and manufacture a vaccine to help prevent COVID-19. And you can imagine the corona pandemic has made me realize even more how important the work of research-based pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer and BioNTech is. Yeah, I, I heard you were working on something over there. Let's put it that way. And uh, let me tell you, it's it's no coincidence that both of you are located in the same kind of area in Germany. And I'm going to try to describe this for our international audience. Like you probably have heard of the Valley, like Silicon Valley in the States, which is, you know, basically the birthplace of all kinds of tech companies. It's, you know, where, where you know, all these big startups um, uh, come from. Um, and this is basically the same when it comes to pharmaceutical companies in Freiburg and Karlsruhe. These two cities are located in the so-called Ländle, all right? Now, this is a German term, but you can kind of like, um, yeah, you could put it up there with the valley, I'd say, in your industry. Don't you agree? Yep. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Do you two speak any of that slang, by the way? No, I can't help you there, Chris. I just tried to manage in normal German, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> so to be honest, I'm German, but uh, I am also not able to talk this dialect. Of course, I can understand it, but it's uh, yeah. I'm coming. I grew up in the north of Germany, so I'm not uh, in this dialect at all. <laughs> yeah. So for our audience out there, you kind of sense that it's it's really not that easy trying to understand. But once again, a lot of technological innovations from that area. You said you're from the north, Gunther. Rebecca, where are you from, like, originally? 
From Belgium, also the north, but then Belgium, a bit smaller than Germany. Ah, look at that. All right. And uh, I know that uh, you've uh, been around the world, so to say, though, also, Rebecca. I'm thinking of the challenging times just, uh, just uh, recently. How did you personally experience the last month? Now, I know that you were stuck somewhere during the first lockdown, right? Yeah, well, in the first lockdown, I was still finishing up my old job in Siemens. I looked after the Middle East region and um, literally got stuck there, let's say. So I started uh, this new role in pharmaceuticals out of my home office in Dubai mm -hmm. and only joined the team here in Karlsruhe two months after um, originally planned. So yep. that was a bit of a strange situation, but we managed. We managed these days. Technology, that's all possible. And kind of like the best kind of preparation for the way we work now, huh? In a way, yeah, indeed, yeah. Yeah. And how about you, Gunta? How did you experience the last couple of months personally? Yeah, it's, of course, also a tough time for everybody. And uh, so in my case, as we are a production site, I was always in the site uh, looking for the operations because uh, there's no stop with perspective to... Mm -hmm the delivery of our medication to the patients. So I was every time in my office and supporting the operations. Busy schedules, both of you. Um, Rebecca, thinking about the industry it, in general, it's so full of amazing, thrilling, exciting topics. Why did you go for pharma? Why did I go for pharma? I am a biomedical scientist by education and ended up in Siemens uh, amongst a, a lot of very clever engineers. Mm -hmm. um, I think the real reason as to why I was hired so many years ago is because of one of the trends that we see very clearly happening in the industry. And that is that there is a, a clearer um, bridging between our R&D departments and production departments. It's coming closer and closer together. And for that, um, Siemens thought that it would be, yeah, it would be nice to have a scientist amongst the engineers. So that's that's how I joined uh, Siemens and Pharma at the time. All right. And I'm back now. Well, we're happy to have you. Um, and if we take a look at the current situation, um, usually it takes some time to bring new pharmaceuticals to the market. Maybe you could tell us, especially for those who've never been in contact with the industry, why does it usually take so long? What does a process, what does such a process look like? Well, in pharma, it's always about quality and safety, right? Mm -hmm. So nobody wants to bring out a product that is not thoroughly tested. Testing we do in clinical trials, I think in the meantime, um, unfortunately due to COVID, we all have become a bit of pharma experts ourselves, no? following mm -hmm. the news and trying to understand um, where specifically development of vaccines uh, is finding itself. And it's it's indeed these clinical phases on uh, bigger groups of populations um, when we go from phase two, one to two to three that are trying to determine if the efficacy of a drug is there and if spe specifically also the drug is safe, safe to be uh, provided to the entire population, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And that's that's just taking taking its own sweet time, Chris. It needs to uh, be tested thoroughly and all of the different scenarios need to be considered. Now, that's from your perspective. What about you, Gunda? Yeah, I totally agree with Rebecca. So it's about efficiency and safety, which have to be proven in studies also known as these uh, clinical trials. 
And yeah, the industry needs on average uh, around 12 years for the approval of a new drug. And um, looking at Freiburg, so we are specialized in oral dosage forms, so uh, tablets and capsules. And as soon as a drug candidate is found and the active ingredient can be produced in larger quantities, scale-up production starts in Freiburg or also in our R&D uh, unit. Mm -hmm. And for this late stage development, we work closely together with our R&D colleagues in several stages. So there's the lab scale. So we're talking about roughly below 10 kilos batch size. Then we have a pilot scale, which is approximately below 100 kilo. And then the manufacturing scale between 100 and 1000 kilos, which of course reflects then also the commercial production in line with market requirements. So it's very exciting because you can still fine-tune your process. Mm -hmm. As you go along. And you just mentioned, Rebecca, you mentioned the media before. We, we all kind of like became or have become these, these kind of like pharmaceutical experts, which we're obviously not. But how is that when you talk to friends or family about the topic? Like, do you have experts in the family <laughs> who you get into regular discussions with? I do happen to have a few doctors in the family, but um, there it's more talks of, of how do we keep ourselves safe. They they are working in hospitals and they are truly the people that I think we're all very, very proud of, irrespectively of which country we're in, because they're really the heroes of today. Um, apart from that, of course, friends and family do ask, which vaccine should we take, Rebecca? Which one do you recommend from which company? Mm -hmm. and, and what about this messenger RNA? It's such a new technology. So um, and and we are privileged as a seasons to to help many of uh, of these companies with their production facilities as we speak. Mm -hmm. um, so we do have a bit of an of an insight as to as to how things go about. I can assure everybody that the the highest quality of standards, as always in the industry, are being applied. It's just that it's all hands on deck these days, and um, right. we're truly trying to uh, win this race against time altogether. But. How can you win this race against time? We just heard it usually takes 12 years. Mm -hmm. Was that correct? But basically, how can you win this race against time, even mm. with all hands on deck? Mm. Well, obviously, authorities are also doing their part here no? in, in, in accelerating approval processes. We should not neglect or underestimate um, the fact that everybody here sits in the same boat and that we see that many uh, countries are helping the industry from that perspective. On the other hand, mm -hmm. um, and this is a fascinating thing for us as a, as a technology company in Siemens, uh, we see that there is a high adaptation all of a sudden for topics like digitalization uh, to give that a try now in order to win a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. a couple of months, uh, to get uh, new products out to the market faster. One of those technologies that we're using a lot at Siemens, uh, also for COVID-19 uh, vaccine production, is that of digital twins. Mm -hmm. So we would either reproduce in a digital world the entire production process or a particular process step with which mm -hmm. the customer has, has challenges and issues. And we would use um, models and, and artificial intelligence and simulation um, to reproduce that particular process step in the virtual world. And thereby, we reduce the amount of experiments that need to be done mm -hmm. um, with all the positive consequences of indeed um, yeah, winning a lot of time to uh, come to a final conclusion of what that production process then needs to look like in order to 
conceive this, this critical quality attributes for the product at the end. And, and to our regular listeners out there, you, you should be familiar with the term digital twins by now. It's basically um, something that we find across all industries. Uh, meanwhile, if you haven't heard of it yet, please be sure to check out one of the other podcast series of Talking Digital Industries because we've talked about that many times. But let's get back to this part here. And I'd like to give it back to Gunta again to tell us how we can speed up manufacturing from a producer side of view to win this race. Yeah, thanks, Chris. So, of course... Medications from Pfizer urgently needed to help people get healthy and enjoy a good quality of life must be continuously available to patients worldwide in consistent high quality. And um, to ensure this, Pfizer is further automating and digitalization the production of tablets and capsules. And uh, looking at Freiburg again, we have one example where we did a successful implementation of automated dispensing. So instead of dispensing each of the raw materials manually by the operator, this system dispenses automatically the raw materials into the container for further processing. So the system connects the ordering and the mm -hmm. transfer of the necessary raw materials as well as the computerized weighing scales. So looking at batches of, as I've told you, around 700 or up to 1,000 kilos, you can imagine the benefit. And that's, of course, is also speeding up the manufacturing itself. I can imagine the benefit, but on the other side, I wonder then, why do we need these experts if it's done automatically? Is it, is it like, are there people behind it? Is it, is it all just AI meanwhile? What? Yeah, you know of what course I mean? you need the experts uh, to, to get such a system uh, into normal production and then going okay. running. So it's, it's like uh, inventing a new car. I mean, you, it's not uh, enough that you can drive a car. Right. But you need also the engineers, the experts to, to get this car built. I mean, this ah, is, um, yeah. That's a good description, Kunta. Thank you very yeah. much for that. <laughs> now, we could say the magic happens at Pfizer in Freiburg, I guess. It's kind of like you put all the ingredients, um, you know, in one pot at the, at the start of the process, um, and out comes a finished tablet at the end right? Is that the dream of every pharmacist? Kind of like you have a kitchen helper, you put all the ingredients in, you just press a button and now it comes a finished meal. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. So uh, you're talking about the continuous manufacturing technology. So this is a further innovative technology which has been implemented at Freiburg. So due to the new possibilities of automation and digitalization, so I have in mind the computer processing capacities, networking, sensors, etc. The pharmaceutical world now also offers the possibility of continuously producing. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pfizer is one of the first companies who invested in this technology. And in Freiburg, we launched already our first drug product manufactured with this innovative technology or so as you wow. call it magic machine uh, to the markets in order to write uh, the patients with the urgently needed medication so what is so special about the continuous system as you've mentioned in simple terms the active ingredient and other raw materials are fed into the machine 
-hmm. the top processed at a constant speed according to the specified recipe. And then at the end, the finished film coated tablet comes out and we are numerous sensors and settings or process data you are able to monitor the process so that the quality of the product can be checked directly during production. And this is, of course, a big step forward. And coming For back sure. to the topic of speeding up development, why is this machine also interesting with regard to the development of a drug substance? Because the previously mentioned work of the scale-up from, as I've told you, 10 kilos lab scale, then the pilot scale, final manufacturing scale. All these steps can now be omitted because depending on the quantity required for tests or clinical studies, the machine can simply run for longer. So what are the current drivers and what are the, the technological trends in the pharma industry, Rebecca? Maybe you can give us um, your, your opinion on that. Well, I would say Gunther described one particular trend very, very nicely just now, continuous manufacturing, and that um, also captures uh, a general trend, I would say, that we see in the industry happening for the last 10 years or so, and that is that we step away a bit from this very, very classical way of thinking that um, I define my process, and after that, my process has to be run for the next 20 years without improving mm -hmm. anything because mm -hmm. we live in a validated industry, highly regulated industry here in pharma. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore innovation has proven to be difficult um, in in the past. Yeah, Thanks mm -hmm. to um, a bit more innovative thinking also from regulatory bodies, we've seen that um, in, the, in the last 10 years, I would say the industry has really opened up. And um, one of the possible technology trends that come from other industries, if we're honest, is that of continuous manufacturing, allowing us to um, measure quality in an inline, online and atline manner and not sending every time a, um, a sample to the lab and then waiting for the result in order to go back uh, to our process and then start the next uh, production step. So that's a, I, a great example, I guess, of a, of a very general trend in the industry. May I interrupt and ask what other industry that comes from? You said it basically comes from another industry? Uh, the chemical industry, food and beverage industry are, are using this because of the obvious advantages that, that Ginter was describing already for, for, for many decades. Ah, okay. That's another trend that we see, cancer drugs becoming more and more personalized, you know, becoming mm -hmm. more and more specific for a particular patient, even starting with material that comes from the patient and how do we have logistic processes wow. that make that possible how do we have production processes that make that make that possible that's something that my team is is working on with uh, with a number of um, yeah i would say revolutionary thinkers in the industry of of how technology can can help to make that happen that sounds very promising yeah i think about the future yeah wow so how does the pharmaceutical industry benefit from digitalization. Are there any concrete examples you can give us? Yeah, I mean, digitalization has many obvious advantages, such as accessibility to information or easy and immediate communication, also the ability to share information or increase commercial competition. So going along with initiatives like IMAX, so um, for those who are not so familiar, it's integrated manufacturing excellence. The digitalization supports greater resource management or improved productivity and increased agility. So these, of course, are 
big topics in the mm -hmm. pharmaceutical operation. Yeah. Okay, that's once again from a production site. And from Siemens, how do you guys support companies in the digital transformation, Rebecca? Well, we see it, Chris, as a, as a real journey, I, I would say. Now, first, it's important that together with, with our customers, we define what the high-level goals are. Digitalization in itself should not be the goal. There's a reason as to why we want to digitalize processes and factories. So we want to capture that and we want to understand what the challenges are of our customers. And, and usually we do end up with um, then finding out that digitalization um, would be a good way as to capture those challenges. Um, and then there's the low-hanging fruits, and then there's the ones that are a little bit more time-consuming, cost-consuming. Mm -hmm. And then there's the ones where even we as a technology company today don't have a solution for yet. And then we go into a co-creation mode with our customers, whereby we would develop something jointly, really based on, on um, what the customer is explaining to us, what their challenge is. And um, a lot of that is also around, um, do I have data available? Available in my sites, in my in my processes. If if so, am I measuring it? How can I capture it? How can I integrate it? Um, there's a lot of work always in our digital transformation with 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 this regard. Are there are there industries or processes where no data is created? Is that even a possibility? No. <laughs> no. Not in pharma, no. Not in pharma. And do you come across clients who are basically starting out like, let's say, a toddler making his first steps? Like, okay, heard of digitalization, but they have no clue of how to implement it, how to start. Are there still companies out there like that? I would say less so here in, in Europe or North America, but for sure in other countries. Yeah, definitely. And then they, and then because there is, I mean, it, it all starts with automation, electrification, automation, and then comes digitalization. So, mm -hmm. uh, but the interesting thing in those countries is that if they, if they want to then go for digitalization, they, of course, they have a, a white paper to start from, right? right? So they can go all the way very quickly. Whereas we, obviously in Europe, North America, we have to live first of all with what it is that we have, as I said, now, what, what data is already available, how can we mm -hmm. make more of that data? And that sometimes is a bit more stringent or a bit more complex, if you like, to work with what it is that we already have placed and, and, mm -hmm. and make those systems at least as intelligent as possible to make them run in a digital environment. Well, so I it guess goes both, both ways, I would say, has its yeah. pros and cons. That's exactly what I want to say. It both has uh, advantages and disadvantages. But listening to you guys, we could talk about this a bit longer. Looking at the time, though, I think we're already a few minutes over our actual podcast time. So unfortunately, I have to say that was it. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for your inciting insights. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We did. Yeah, or at least I did. Yeah. yeah thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. And also thank you very much to our listeners. I'm glad that you tuned in for the first episode of the second series of Talking Digital Industries. And if you enjoyed the chat and you want to learn more, all you have to do is visit Siemens.com slash pharma for more information and also stay tuned for our next episode. This is Talking Digital Industries. I'm Chris Brow, and please join us again soon. Bye bye. Take care and stay healthy, everybody.